You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. So, Pastor Ian told me that you guys are doing a sermon series on holiness, or at least pursuing a personal holiness, living upright in the way of the Lord. And that's a wonderful, wonderful sermon series. And he also told me that uh, uh, Pastor Ian and Faye and also a bunch of the other elders went away today to go see a bunch of weddings. So I guess today is a good day to get married. So good for them. But he told me that you guys are taking a big step as a church. You guys are th- implementing a membership system or a membership uh, uh, part of the Plus Life community. And that is a wonderful, wonderful step. And in our church right now, we're actually gearing up to get ready for our members to vote on the stuff that we need to pass and all that stuff. So it is a wonderful step of faith and also really, really always exciting to come back and see where you guys are going. I remember last time the kids were here and now the ministry has started downstairs, I believe. So that's also really cool to see. But Pastor Ian told me that you guys are entering into this step as a whole church, implementing the membership, and that's really, really awesome. Now, being a part of a member of a local body or uh, a church has a lot of implications, right? If you apply for a membership at a church, it should be assumed and it should be shown and demonstrated that you are a Christian, of course, first and foremost, walking in Christ, surrendered to him, living a holy life. Not a self-righteous life, right? Where we think we're doing everything right and where we think we're better than others or we think we have to maintain something. No, a holy life. A life that has been set apart, completely set apart for God and his purposes. Not for our purposes, not for the world, but when we say living in holiness, I'm sure we can agree on this point and especially if you guys are considering this membership, right? That as you live and breathe and everything that you do as a Christian is because you want to glorify God. And that's part of holiness. So in this sermon series, when we're talking about the pursuit of holiness, surely, surely, you can talk about a lot of things. Having a godly character. Glorifying God in all that we do. Abstaining from sins, right? Not just the classic ones like uh, sexual temptation or, or, or substance uh, abuse or anything that is blatantly, you know, obvious to us, but more subtle sins too, like behavioral sins. When we get angry, when we get bitter, what do we do with that? Part of all of that holiness, living that holy life, living that life that is set apart for God. There's a lot of things that we can talk about, and I'm really glad that Pastor Ian uh, told me that you guys were doing this, especially as you're entering into this transition for applying for or, or getting membership ready in the church, which is amazing. So when Pastor Ian told me about this sermon series, Romans chapter 6, verse 5 to 14 immediately popped into my mind. Something that I know that God has prepared for you this morning. Because if we're going to talk about living in holiness and pursuing holiness and continue to grow in God, if we really take this seriously and think about all the implications about the, the standard to which we have been taught and the standard that we need to uphold if we're going to live these holy lives set apart for the glory of God, if we take it really, really seriously, we'll realize very, very, very quickly that it is absolutely impossible, absolutely impossible to do on our own, right? Or at least we can try and we'll realize that it's very, very hard. So if we are committed to living lives of holiness, if we're committed to showing everyone the righteousness of God and not faking it, but being genuine, 
again, we'll realize very, very quickly that on our own, it is completely impossible. So here is the hope as a Christian, as a believer, as someone who has repented, who has wanted to turn away from their sins and believes in the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you are a Christian and you have committed your life to Jesus, there is a hope for all of us that pursuing holiness and living out God's will is completely possible. But it's not ever on our own. And it's not the expectation that we need to live out on our own. In fact, it's only possible because God made it possible, right? To live holy lives and to be dedicated to God's glory in accordance with God's will and to continue to grow as a Christian, to become more like Jesus, we need to live united to Christ and surrendered to God. Before we do anything, before we commit to dedicating to grow and defeat a habitual sin or to grow in some sort of character that we know that God is convicting us to grow in, whether it's to be more patient or compassionate or whatever the case may be, before we approach any of this, we need to realize that in order to achieve this, in order to grow in this, in order to pursue that holiness, we need to live united to Christ and surrendered to God. There is simply no other way. We are not saved so that we can ignore God, and we are not saved so that we can attempt to live a life apart from God in an effort to please Him. Everything that Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection was for us to live holy lives with God by His Spirit in us and by our life united with Jesus. And we're going to be exploring that in this wonderful passage this morning. We cannot live faithful lives as Christians or righteous lives as Christians or a holy life set apart for God. We cannot live that life without believing, without knowing and living the inescapable truth that as Christians we are first and foremost united with Jesus. We're united with Jesus. We don't become Jesus, okay? There's a lot of heresies in the early, uh, earlier centuries or maybe even some today that I'm not aware of, but we don't become Jesus. We become united with Jesus, something completely beautiful, something very holy, something that is gifted to us when we become Christians. We are united with Jesus. In verse 5 to 8, Paul says, for if, we have been with, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Holiness is only possible because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Being set apart, living for God, having God's agenda become your agenda, succumbing and surrendering and living to God's will is only possible because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we're coming right off of Easter, which is great because I'm sure these themes are very fresh in your mind and in your heart. When we're following Jesus and dedicating our whole lives to him, we were never tasked ever to do it by our own strength because Jesus needed to save us so that we could live for God. Our old selves, our sinful selves died on the cross with Christ. We are completely forgiven and we are also given resurrection in Jesus alone to have power over sin and have life with him. For if we have been united with him, and if death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And not just the 
eternal resurrection where our bodies are completely renewed and restored, right? But every day, right now, we are living resurrection lives. We are able, because of Jesus, okay, to choose God. We are able to live for God. We are able to live holy lives. Now, the context that we're reading from, of course, we need to cover. Paul, in the previous chapters of Romans, had made the case that we are all sinful. Jew, Gentile, everybody. Everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. And our only hope, of course, is in Jesus, who died for our sins, who died as a sacrifice for our sins. So we need to put our faith in him, that Christ died for us while we were still his enemies. All who believe are declared righteous. Because if we couldn't live really holy lives for God before we were saved, how can we expect to live holy lives for God after we were saved by ourselves, right? We were saved so that we could be in unity with Jesus. And that unity is what propels us to pursue God more. That unity is what gives us the power from God, not ourselves, from God, so that we can give glory to God. That unity with Christ is that deep intimacy that we can have with him, a relational truth that we can have with Jesus so that everyone is blessed and that you can receive more and more of the blessings of God that are to give glory to him and to be at peace and to have his love with you and to walk in peace and in trust and all the things that the Bible promises, all the things that the New Testament promises. Unity in Jesus is what achieves this for us. So Paul charges us in the previous chapters to put our faith in Christ because faith alone, right? But in chapter 6, Paul begins to exhort us to no longer live in sin, right? Because you have chosen Jesus, how can we continue to live in sin? We shouldn't. We can't. Right? Because we are not enslaved to it anymore. We have died to sin. We have been raised with Jesus. And Paul uses the image of baptism to describe really what is going on. Baptism, we know, is that outward sign of the inward change within us, right? When we get baptized, when we go into the water, it symbolizes our old self, right? Dying and being buried with Jesus. And when we get pulled out of the water and we whip our hair back, right? We are fully new and restored. We're living that resurrection life with him. It's a beautiful image of something that's actually true. A beautiful image of something that God has done within you as a believer. Now, if you are a Christian here this morning or listening into the live, oh, there's the camera, the live stream, and you haven't been baptized, I would very strongly encourage you to do so because baptism is commanded from our Lord, but also it's just a beautiful image and also a beautiful act of faith where we declare that we are united with Christ. Our old selves are dead. It doesn't have power over us. We live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Our old selves are buried. Our new selves, our life is with Christ now. In death, sin is destroyed. It is buried. It does not control us. It does not define us. Paul says that um, in verse 6, our old self was crucified so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. And then in the resurrection, we live a new life, a reality that is present right now that glorifies God and is empowered by him. Paul mentions this same reality in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Again, with the, the image of baptism in mind, he brings it up again. So this is not something that Paul talks about just once in Romans. He mentions it in his other letters as well. This idea that we are united with Jesus. That when we put our faith in him, when we surrender to him, when we declare our life for him, we are united with him. Our old selves are dead. We are raised and forgiven. If you want to know what the key to holiness is, and you want to know what the key to walking upright in the Lord is and living for righteousness, it's not by trying harder. That's the old way. That's living under the law. 
We needed a complete renewal. We needed a whole new life in Jesus. We needed Jesus' life to bring us back to life, right? Not just forever and eternity, which is good and the promise that we long for, but right now, that we are spiritually alive, that our hearts can be for God, that our minds can learn more about God and then have it penetrate deep into our life and have actual life change and that we can be deeply attuned to the spirit that is in us. This unity of God or this unity with Jesus is a beautiful thing. We, we understand it, but it's also a really great mystery that we discover in our life. And it's the hope that we have now. We are never alone. We're not expected to live for God alone. We are called to live united with Jesus in his power and to declare that sin is dead in our lives. We must realize that God made it possible for us to live for him and to be with him, and that we have resurrection life right now in Jesus. It's not a future thing. It's a right now thing continuing on into eternity. And God makes it possible for us to continue to experience him more and more as we dive deeper into the word, as we listen to the spirit. In verse 11, Paul issues the command, right? So you must also, or so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's a command. When we think about commands, right, I'm sure you think about the Ten Commandments, which is good. Uh, Put God first. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't lust after other things. Uh, uh, Again, those classic sins, right? But we remember, there's so many other wonderful commands in the Bible. This is one of them. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he actually came here in a real body and really died for you and our, our sins, right, and that he was raised in a real body. If you really believe in him and if you put your trust in him and that your salvation is in him alone, if you really believe that, Paul says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means you must realize that sin has no power over you. It doesn't control you anymore. That's not your default setting anymore. You must realize that when you become a Christian, people think, oh, you become a robot because you try to obey everything that God tells you. No, you're liberated so you could live life truly the way that God wanted it to be and how it was designed for us to be in complete unity with Jesus. Complete unity with God. This is a wonderful truth. This is a wonderful command. Consider yourself. You must consider yourself dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. When you wake up, in the morning, and I'm guilty of this, <laughs> you wake up in the morning, do you declare, I'm alive in Christ today, not just physically alive, like spiritually. My whole day can be for God. Everything I do is for his glory, and he is in me. Do you declare that? Or like me, do you wake up and you're like, oh, I feel horrible. I shouldn't have stayed up so late. And that's something in holiness that I need to work in my life. But anyway, as we continue, right? Everything that Jesus did is not just something that we learn about. It's something that seals us for eternity and changes how we live right now and every moment until he returns or until we pass and then we are joined with him again. So Paul says that we have died to sin. We've been united in our death with Jesus, in our old selves, right? And we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like with his. And therefore, our response to this, okay, because Jesus took care of all the heavy lifting, our response in order to pursue holiness, our response this morning, in order to continue to grow in Christ, our response in order to absolve our guilt and our shame of of wanting to perform to a certain standard, our response should be to present ourselves to God. 
In verse 12 to 14, Paul issues more commands. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. You see the key here at the beginning. We read verse 12 and we might think, okay, I have to try really hard so that sin doesn't have dominion over me. No, 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 no. You don't have to try hard. Jesus took care of that. The power of sin is dead in you. You need to believe that. We need to trust that. And I know because we still struggle with sin in this life. I'm still tempted. We are still tempted. Even if it's not temptation, we still act out or react in ways when things trigger us or things make us mad or things make us fearful. We still struggle with sin and imperfection. But the hope is here is that that's not our doom and gloom anymore. That's not our default way to do things anymore. We can be with God and choose in his power to live for him. He says in verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you. It will not rule your life. You may struggle with it, but it is not your whole life story. It is not the thing that defines you. Jesus' life, his resurrection, his forgiveness, his love for you is what propels us to go forward. In verse 14, Paul says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. When you present yourself to God, when you offer yourself up to God, it's not something that we check off our list. It's something that we do freely under his grace, under his love, not under the heavy burden of the law. In the passage that was read just before worship, when Jesus invited us to come to him and rest and to take on his yoke, well, it means, you know, following him, right, living for him, doing his thing. Jesus says that his yoke is not burdensome, right? It's not like the way that the Pharisees used to preach in Jesus' time where it became such a heavy burden on the people that they could never do it. This is different. Life in Jesus, unity in Jesus, living for Jesus is hard, it is difficult, but it is not a burden. It's life. It's joy. It's all because it's under grace, not under the power of the law. It's under Jesus' love, God's forgiveness, his mercy for us. We live guilt-free without shame. We live confident in what Jesus has done. That is what it means to present ourselves to God. If we want to present ourselves to God, we say, God, I am yours joyfully, gladly, because my life is with you. My life is united with yours. Jesus, the Holy One of God, the Son of God, who is God, his life is united with ours. So how can we not joyfully give ourselves to God when we reflect on what Paul is saying here? When we come to God, we must declare we are alive in Jesus. We are not coming to him as a spiritually dead person or with arrogance or a self-afflicting shame. When we come to him we are, as a Christian, we're coming to him as a precious child saved and bought by the blood of Jesus. We may come to him tired, we might come to him weary, we might come to him uh, worried or wounded, but you're still coming to him alive. And the power of Jesus' life in us is what propels us to move forward. It's what propels us to see the promises of God lived out in our life. So because, again, we are alive in Jesus and all the implications of that, Paul says that we no longer need to submit to sin and we shouldn't submit to sin because before we really didn't have a choice. 
before Jesus, everything we did was for our own pleasure or for someone else's. It wasn't for God. We could never live holy lives. It was never set apart, right? But because of Jesus, we have him now. Our life can be completely open to him. We're alive in Christ. We're forgiven. And as such, we continue to give ourselves more and more and see his work explode within us by the Spirit and by the community as we encourage one another. So Paul charges us a practical way in verse 13. So surrender to God. Do not, let there, do not let sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. In verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Present yourself. Give all of yourself. Do not hold back. When in my own struggle with sin, right, and I shared this in this church before, right, like I struggled with pornography and also like sexual sins, right? And when I was reading these verses before, when I was caught in the middle of it, I'm like, okay, Paul says that my old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing that we no longer be enslaved to sin. So how come it feels like there's still so much power of that sin in my life? Why is that? I look back on it now, and I realize it's because I didn't do verse 13. I didn't present my full members, my, my full members, all of me, to God. I wasn't willing to give up certain things that enabled the temptation to happen. I knew in my heart that I had not surrendered to God um, choosing him over that temptation. I knew that God was refining me to let it go over time, and that's why I can boldly proclaim to you this morning that being alive in God, alive in Christ, is no joke. It's real. There's power in declaring it and surrendering to God. But I realized that back then, I had a hard time letting go, letting go of the opportunities that would present itself for me to sin, letting go of uh, certain things that I could have refrained from, and I kept it there, and then the sin was still there, right? I didn't present myself fully to God. So here's what Paul is saying here. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God, all of you, okay? Your whole self to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So when we come to God, are we declaring to him, my hands, Lord God, May you use them to bless others, to build, to support, to labor for others, and to labor for your kingdom, and not for my own selfish gain. Do you commit and surrender your eyes to the Lord so that you will see, not what you want to see, not what I want to see, but the beauty of God, the truth of God? Do you surrender your tongue and your mouth to God to declare the glories of God and to build others up? Do you surrender your mind to God and ask that God would fill you with his wisdom? And that's one of the promises we receive as Christians, right? We can get wisdom from God. We just have to ask. And truly pursue it. Truly surrender to him. Before we were united with Jesus, we could not surrender ourselves to God. Before we were united with Christ, before we were saved, our default mode was very robotic, right? It was always sin. It was always struggling. But as a Christian... God journeys with you to overcome whatever habitual sin, whatever behavioral sin, whatever sin in your life, to refine you, to make you more holy. 
And that process is not only us realizing that our life is united with Jesus and therefore we should take it seriously, but it's helping us to surrender to him more and more over time. That's how we grow in holiness. That's how we grow as children of God. And this is also our responsibility as Christians. Because I can preach uh, verse 5 to, to 11 and just say, you know, God did everything. Consider yourselves, you know, uh, alive in Christ. We're done for today. No, we still have a responsibility, right? To surrender to him. But again, he makes it possible. All the glory goes to him always. So again, in your own life, is there something, something that you know that you need to give up? Something in your body physically or in your mind or your heart that you know you need to present to God so that you may live that life united with him, live for that righteousness. Is there something you just need to give up so that you can spend more time with God or that you can refrain from that temptation or something you need to admit so that you can absolve bitterness, rage, anger, um, uh, or not having mercy, whatever the case may be. Is there something that you are being held back from something that's clearly not united with Christ in his life that you need to surrender that you need to pre- present so that you can fully present yourself to God so i want to challenge you guys today that when you commit yourself to God when you spend time with him to remember that the goal of the intimacy with God is not just so that we can feel good although that might be a blessing that God gives us right that we can be at peace and we can be calm but that when we come to God, the goal is that we can declare and believe that we are united with him, that his life is in us, right? that we are completely in him, and that we can surrender to him. The goal of our devotion is to surrender to God. Let that be clear for you so that as you relinquish these things, as you present yourself to God, we may live for righteousness. Hebrews 11 and 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God by definition, right? Impossible to be holy. Impossible to live for righteousness. Impossible to do anything for God. So if we tie these themes together, yes, we need to believe that God exists so that we can serve him. We need to believe the gospel. We need to believe that we are alive in Jesus and united with him. We must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Jesus Christ. And these are powerful These are powerful, powerful, life-changing verses. If we don't believe this, then the Christian life is not going to be joyful or life-giving. It's going to be an impossible, impossible burden. But because of what Jesus has done, we can seriously surrender to God and actually see the power of God in our life over sin. We We are not going to win battles over habitual sins if we do not decide to dedicate ourselves to God and trust in the power of the resurrection in us. We will not truly live for God if we do not realize that our lives are not our own, but they are fully for God, fully for Christ. We hear a lot of these, um, these, these, these sermons and these struggles about how we can surrender to God daily, how we can commit our time and allot it for God. And this is a struggle, I guess, for our current generation or our current society, right? Because we're so busy. We're so occupied with things that we have to do, that we forget my life, your life for Jesus is completely for God. We need to get back to that surrender. We need to get back to that humbleness. We need to remember that Jesus is never, ever a forethought or a backthought or a memory or a distant, distant person. He is our whole entire life. That is how we grow 
in holiness. This is what we need. This is what um, non-believers need so that they can see us living that holy life. Not that self-righteous life where we're, oh, I'm better than you. No, no, no. A truly holy life that is completely surrendered to God. Because if we're not living it, no one can see it. And if we're not living it, then we will never be able to declare really and believe that I am alive in Jesus Christ. No, but the more we dive into it, the more we see it become that reality because God works that wonder in us and that power in us. The more we surrender him, the more we can see that this is true. So, do you trust that God can vanquish the habitual sins in your life? Do you trust that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and that affects you right now in every single decision that you make? Do we walk guilty, stressed out, trying to fulfill our purpose without God? Or are we walking in the Spirit, covered in Jesus' righteousness, under the grace of God? Or are we, again, trying to be law-abiding, rule-following, heavily burdened, yoked with the slavery of our own expectations? Or are we walking in the Lord, free, united with Him, knowing that He has grace upon us, knowing that His life is uh, comp- knowing that his life is united with ours and that we can surrender to him. All of this is the power of God. So when we ask ourselves, how can I be a good Christian? How can I be more holy? It's a good question, but it's kind of in the wrong direction, right? What we need to be asking is, how can I surrender to God and claim the life that he has already given me? How do I become better? We can look up uh, podcasts or self-help books for that. That's fine. But how do I really live for God? How do I really become holy, grow in righteousness, and not a a humanly self-righteousness, but a true righteousness that comes from God? We need to learn to surrender and claim and believe that we are alive in Jesus. So surely, we have a lot of responsibilities as a Christian. And if we take them seriously and try to do it by ourselves, again, we're going to find that it's pretty much impossible. We're going to burn out, and that's why we burn out, right? We've been going too long, too hard, um, not being able to be sustained by God, not receiving proper support, right? But we are dead to sin. We don't do anything on our own anymore. We believe in God, which means we are alive to God in Jesus Christ. We can choose him because Christ is in us. We can become more resilient because Christ is in us. We can live for God because Christ is in us by the Spirit. This battle for holiness is not a battle for effort. It is one of surrender. It is one of faith. So again, Paul says we are not under the law. We are under grace. For every mistake that we make, there is grace. For every sin that we commit, of course, is wrong, but there is grace for that. We return to him. That's the power of having our life united with Jesus is that we're actually repentant, right? Grace is the kindness and love of God that spurns us to draw near, uh, that, that, that calls us to draw nearer to him. But when we reject this grace and we try to walk this Christian life of holiness and righteousness away from him, we put ourselves back under the law and under the slavery of self-reliance. Although you're still saved, but you're still, we're still acting out in that way. So in order to surrender, declare yourself, all of yourself, even if you have to list it out and say, God, Hands are for you, head is for you, my heart is for you. I know I struggle with this, this, and this. Pray that you will lead me away from temptation. I'm going to give it all to you. Declare it to God. Believe that really you are brought back from death to life. Ask the Spirit to be active in you and that you would listen. That's the most important thing, right? The Spirit might be doing things, but if we're not listening, then we're ignoring God. 
Ask God to help you to surrender. Trust that he is working in you. It's probably one of the most important things. He didn't just set you off so that we could be alone. He set us so that we can continue to live life in him. Remember, when you spend time with God, when you devote yourself to God, you may be blessed with his peace. You may be blessed with his love and his mercy. And that may give you comfort and it may give you joy. And these are wonderful things. But at the end of the day, our whole lives, everything, the point of devoting our whole life to God is surrender. So let us surrender to God. Let us grow in holiness by surrendering to God and let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us here this morning that are struggling with hidden sins, habitual sins, behavioral sins, carnal sins, all the kind of sins that we could list. I pray, Lord, that for everyone here and everyone's listening that's feeling very burdened by this, Lord, that they may just come to you. That they may ask for forgiveness and that they would receive it because of what you did, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, as you wash us clean and make us new and that you have your righteousness on us, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we come to you, we would surrender our whole selves to you because our life is not our own. It's united with yours. Help us to take the significance of this. Help us to take this seriously. May everyone here have hope knowing that the power of sin is dead in our life. It's completely dead. We can live for you. We have you right now. You're here with us. So Lord, continue to minister to us by your spirit and by your word and by your truth. May it shock us into continuing to surrender to you. Lord, help us to let go of anything that's holding us back from you. May we surrender to you completely so that, Lord, we may experience life in you and that when others, other people see us, Lord, it's not our own efforts, it's your glory. And Lord God, I pray that as your power is active in us, we just praise you, Lord, that you allowed us to live life united with you. We praise you, Jesus, that you have declared us righteous in the sight of God. That there is no animosity anymore, there's no guilt, there's no shame. It's just your love and mercy. So Lord, we live not under the law, we live under your grace. So Lord Jesus, move within us mightily. Help us to understand this truth that we've learned this morning. Help us to dedicate our whole lives to you. Help us to truly surrender more and more. We relinquish these things to you. We have freedom in you, freedom from sin. We have victory in you. Lord Jesus, to you be all the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.